0: Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. That'll be the sermon text this morning. We can do this. We really can do this. I and mean, what's it take? What's it take to get into heaven? Of course, the grace of Jesus Christ, unmerited favor. God wants us, all people, to be saved. But we've got to respond. We've got to have faith in him. We've got to accept him as our Lord and Savior. But what does it take? What's the obedience involved? If I have to sing like Mark, I'm not making it, I'm not going to make it. If I have to play basketball like those boys last week, I'm not making it. If it requires that I sell everything and move to a foreign country, I better know that's from God because I'm nervous. It's none of those things. We can do this. We can respond in faith. We can obey. God has made eternal life available to all of us. Doesn't require incredible intelligence. Doesn't require an incredible giftedness. It doesn't require perfect opportunity and perfect timing. It doesn't require radical obedience. It requires simply loving God and loving your neighbor. That's the context for today's story. The question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The context for the question is, how do I make it in? Jesus doesn't answer with a how-to, he answers with a story. Out of Reverence for God's Word, if you're physically able, please stand as I read this very popular story, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus' teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your minds. And... Love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said this, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he put out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expenses that you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell in the hand of the robbers? The expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we humble ourselves before your words today. We ask, Lord, that you would inspire us, encourage us, lead us, convict us, whatever it takes, Lord, that we might love our neighbor. To those ends, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Please be seated. John Eats turned me on to an audio book called After by... Bruce Grayson that talks about NDEs, which is an acronym for near-death experiences. All these people who have passed away and had these near-death experiences and and what they mean. At the same time, I'm going through some curriculum that Rex bought for the church called The Case for Heaven by Lee Strobel, which our Sunday Sunday school class is going to begin studying. And it reminds me, there's so much speculation about what judgment day is gonna be like. I don't know if you've considered what's gonna happen. Do you think you're gonna stand before before God and your entire life will be flashed before your eyes and you remember all the times that you failed and the times that you did good? Do you think it'll be a question answer? When did you take care of my sheep? When did you take care of people who were naked or incarcerated? Do you think you're just gonna be in because all of a sudden you're gonna appear in heaven and hey, that was good. Somehow I passed it. I don't remember it. Do you think you're gonna stand before God and go through all of your sins and every idle word? Every idle word? That's gonna take a while for me. Go through everything that you've done. And, and you're gonna be so ashamed, you're gonna be so embarrassed, you're gonna I'm never gonna get in. And Jesus is gonna say, I paid the price. And you're gonna be admitted. I Think it's gonna be a long line of people. Kind of like Walmart, waiting your turn. How do you think it's going to play out? A lot of people have opinions on this. This is such a popular topic. What the end is going to be like or what's going to lead up to the end. Trumpet sounds. Heaven's peeling open, just disappear, planes crash, no pilots. How's it all going to go? People are so excited about the end and how it's going to play out. But nobody is excited about speculating on how they might love their neighbor. Did you notice that? Nobody sits around and speculates on how they can love their neighbor more. And yet the context of this question is how can I inherit eternal life? Now, I want you to notice that Jesus does not ask any theological questions. Or the the judge doesn't. No, do you believe in the authority of the Holy Scriptures? Do you believe that they're inspired? Do you believe in the Holy Trinity? Do you believe in this? Which are all reasonable questions which we would ask. Instead, the question seems to revolve around how you loved your neighbor. Now maybe, and I think in my mind's eye, Jesus knows this religious lawyer, this leader, and he knows his heart and he knows that he believes all the right stuff, and so he just wants to get to how it expresses itself in in obedience. But it's not a theological question. It's not a true and false theology. Instead, it is a how did you love your neighbor kind of thing. And I think that's interesting because you and I, no matter who you are today, no matter your age, we all have the same opportunity to love our neighbor. No matter how smart you are, ignorant, wise, no matter how healthy you are, sickly, robust, you have the same opportunity to love your neighbor as the next person. I was visiting a Christian city a couple of weeks ago. I was assigned to visit the person in a particular room, bed A. Some of the rooms are double rooms, and you have bed A and you have bed B. And I was commissioned to go and visit the person in bed A. And I said, Hello, my name's Andrew. I'm the I'm a volunteer chaplain. I'm actually a pastor down the street, but I'm a chaplain. I just want to come and see how you're doing. How are you doing? She goes, I I appreciate you coming, chaplain, but you really need to see my neighbor and my neighbor and she says I, I, I would love to have a prayer with you but please go see my neighbor and so I walked past her room to bed B and I don't know that her na- I don't know that her neighbor was gonna make it very long you know what I'm talking about snoring not awake it was rough and I had the opportunity to pray over her neighbor before I came to visit her now isn't that interesting that even confined to a bed in Christian City, she was concerned about her neighbor. All that is to say that no matter who you are, you have the opportunity and the capacity to love your neighbor. And so Jesus tells this story, and I want you to note that the hero of the story is a Samaritan. We've heard this so much that we think that Samaritans are just like anybody else. In fact, if at the end of this sermon you think to yourself, you know what, I need to start loving the Samaritans in my life a little bit more, you've missed the story. Because what Jesus is telling us by using the Samaritan as the hero is he's basically saying that the villains are the heroes when they love well nobody has a corner on the market when it comes to loving in Georgia there's a good Samaritan law I think I've, I saw a code which means that if you stop off somebody's going through a, don't quote me on this I'm not a lawyer but a life threatening something or other and you and you try to help them that you can't be sued for your efforts the good Samaritan law which actually refers to the Bible the good Samaritan But I want you to know that to the disciples at this time, there was no good Samaritan. That would be like us saying a good prostitute or a good drug dealer. This is what they thought when you said Samaritan. Don't believe me. Look at the end of Luke chapter 9. Jesus is walking around and he's ministering and he's on his way to Jerusalem and he wants to pass through a Samaritan town and the Samaritans turn him down and you know what the the wonderful disciples two of the disciples James and John you know Jesus had like three really close ones of the twelve yeah you know, Peter James and James and John these are legit guys you know what they said when when the Samaritans turned down Jesus you know what they said they said, uh, Lord, do you want us to call down fire on their village? This is like Sodom and Gomorrah, right? Who comes up with that idea? He wants to just, why, why don't we just send have that village bombed? You know what Jesus said? He rebuked them. But this is the kind of hostility between Jews and Samaritans. Jews considered Samaritans half-breeds, mixed blood, cultic worshipers, Samaritans had their own holy place that they worshipped God. Of course, the Samaritans thought they were the true Jews, the northern tribes. It's a long history, but what I want to try to tell you is there's not a lot of love between them. And when Jesus chose the Samaritan to be the hero of the story, that rocked their world. But Jesus, in answer to the question, the larger question is how do I inherit heaven? The next question is who is my neighbor? Jesus explains in a radical way that your neighbor is the one to whom you show mercy. Let me say that again. Your neighbor is the one to whom you show mercy. And all of us, are on the same playing field in our opportunity or our capacity to show mercy to other people. We all have equal access, and we can do this thing. We need to get away from the Christianity that believes but doesn't do. The Christians that know it all, they know everything, but when it comes to practice They're just like the rest of the world. We need to get to the place where they will know we are Christians by our love, by the mercy that we show. Well, let's get into the story a little bit. Luke 10, 25 through 37, Jesus tells the story, and in this story, you've got a man who's leaving Jerusalem on his way to Jericho. We don't know his name. In the Greek, it's actually just a human. We have a human man. Was he a Samaritan? Was he a Jew? don't know anything. We just know that he's a man and he's walking away and he falls into the hands of bad people. And I don't know what half dead is, but it's half dead. On the way, you've got a priest who's a representative of God who's coming from Jerusalem. So in other words, he's already done his priestly duties. I remember somebody teaching this one time, and he said, well, the reason he crossed over on the other side is because, you know, if you're you're around somebody that's dead or half dead, it's going to make you ceremonially unclean, and you can't function, and so he's going to lose his day's work. He's leaving Jerusalem. He's leaving. He's on his way out. Don't give him a pass. He saw what was going on. He saw the man. It says that. We saw the man without even assessing how bad he was or what's going on, he passed over on the other side. Not even close to the guy, like, hey, well, not you... No, no, I'm going on the other side. This is the representative for Almighty God, a priest. And then you've got a Levite. A Levite is a tribe of Israel, special tribe of Israel, the Le- Levitical family from Levi. If this guy was a Jewish guy, you've got somebody, their own, own kind, own race, look what he does. He also passes by on the other side. So you've got two people who should be in the known. No, the no, you've got a priest and you've got a Jew, upper echelon Jew, a Levite, and they choose to pass by on the other side. They don't have mercy on the man. And now you've got a person who shouldn't be showing mercy and their worldview who more than shows mercy. Would you notice what he does? There's 12 words here. I'm getting this from a book from Leroy Lawson or uh, actually a book from Fred Craddock, but listen to the 12 action words. The Samaritan saw. Number two, he was moved with pity. He went to him. Number four, he bandaged his wounds. Number five, he poured oil and wine. Number six, he put the wounded man on his own donkey. Number seven, he brought him to the inn. Number eight, he took care of him. He gave him two denarii. Uh, Number nine, I guess there's only ten, sorry. He gave uh, the denarii to the innkeeper, and then number ten, he said to the innkeeper, I'll pay the remaining cost. Ten kind acts for this injured man. Where the first two who should have known, should have done, walked over on the other side. This is a remarkable act of mercy that Jesus tells. And what I want to tell you today is, we can do this. We can show mercy. Don't let the pandemic make you afraid of people. Don't let it, don't let it divide up. Don't let it take away your humanity to take care of others. Don't let it turn your eyes against people and see them as a possible culprit. That's what's happened and many facilities they shut off people, the most needy people, the people that need human contact and human communication. They shut them off. They close them in a door. They say, no, listen, we want you to be stay good and be healthy inside this room all alone. And it's not right that man should be alone. Rex has started going to the Fayette County Jail again, Rex and Carlos. How many two and a half years these inmates haven't had? outside clergy coming in to minister to them. Two and a half years. That's the place you want clergy to go into is in the county jail. Don't let the world skew your thinking as avoiding the victims in this world. In fact, if this really is the way judgment plays out, I'm not saying it is, But if this is the way Judgment Day goes, where the standard is showing mercy to your neighbor, the Lord's questions are probably gonna make us squirm. Because it's not gonna be a question of what church did you attend? When were you baptized? Did you attend Sunday school? Instead, it's gonna be a question of did you show mercy? And the good news is, no matter who you are, no matter what your skill sets, you have the capacity to show mercy. Isn't that cool? Now, some of you might be like, listen, my next, my closest neighbor is one mile away. I know how you all are. And, you know. Well, that's what is great about the church because when we... When we come together in the church, no matter how far in the country you live, you're right here on the same pew, right here in the same building. That's a wonderful thing about the church. The church gives you the opportunity to show mercy because we come together and we share prayer requests and we pray for each other. So this is the perfect place. Now, I'm not just saying that church is the only place, but what people miss out when they miss the church is astounding. But it takes paying attention, and that's what the Samaritan did. Do you show mercy? Do you strategically try to do one kind thing every day? Listen to this. If you do one act of kindness every day for 40 years which like what you're 120 right so you could do all right but 40 years one act of kindness every day you will have made fourteen thousand six hundred people happy for a little while fourteen thousand six hundred people happy for a little while if you would just do one act of kindness Every day. What's judgment day going to be like? You're going to be in a long line. You're going to stand up and everything flashes before you, just you and God. You're just going to appear in heaven, floating in a cloud, playing a harp. What's it going to be like? Books have been written about this. But why, why is there such a little curiosity on how we might show mercy at a time like this? Let that not be so. Make a commitment with me. Would you, from this day forward? one act of kindness every day. Of course you're not earning your salvation. Grace is God's unmerited favor. You're simply responding in faith and obedience in such a way as Jesus illustrated you're being the radical neighbor. I know you might well you know you don't know them. You don't know my neighbors. You don't know where I live. I think that's what's great about this story. The Samaritan is the one it would be least likely to show it. I mean, you might be the least likely person to show it, but you get to, we can do this thing. Let's make a commitment now. Every day, one act of kindness. I mean, we've all got the same 24 hours. You might be able to knock two or three acts of kindness out. Not that you're keeping track and the next day you're backing off. I'm just saying, you know, who knows what you could do if you really took this to be serious, to show mercy. Well, I don't think that the the lawyer wanted this answer. I think the lawyer wanted to say, who's my neighbor? In other words, how far do I have to carry this thing? To my family, to my in-laws, to my neighborhood, I mean, just, can I just be a proud Jew, a proud American? Is that good enough? And Jesus turns it upside down. He doesn't say where the boundaries go. He says, this is what it looks like. Listen, we've got a wonderful opportunity in the next couple of weeks to support people in Jamaica and support people in El Salvador through Carlos and through Curtis and Sonia. we've we've got so much opportunity. We can do this. We can do it. We just got to change our mindset, get out of the pandemic mindset, and start seeing people as possible ones to love. That's my challenge for you today. Let's pray together.